Hey folks, if you've seen any of the great merch we have lately, we've got Witch Police shirts, we've got bags, we've got more gear on the way. That's all made by our friends at Divine Shirt Company. Whether it's screen printing or embroidery, heat press vinyl or graphic design, Divine Shirts is the place to go for your band merch. They've been doing some of the best stuff from the best bands in Winnipeg and beyond. And if you're looking to get some merch made, head over to divineshirtcompany.ca or follow them on Instagram and tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. Uh, I'm on the internet. I'm actually in my pantry again today, which is kind of my secondary location to record uh, podcasts. Usually I'm either um, in my little office area where I do most of these, or if that computer's being used, I kind of cram myself into the pantry and I'm surrounded by all these uh, boxes of cereal and craisins and shit like that. And it somehow tends to uh, sound pretty decent. So um, the guest on the episode today is someone who has been on the show before in like a few different contexts over the years, but you haven't been on in a while and... We're kind of here today to talk about a new project you have um, coming out soon. So I think that the best way to sort of start this off is if you want to just introduce yourself and maybe give a bit of background about um, what it is that you do musically for people who don't know you. Sure. Um, uh, I go by Bazooka Joe 204 presently. Uh, For years and years, I performed and recorded under the name John Smith. Um, I'm a rapper originally from... Churchill, Manitoba, way up north, came, yeah. down, came down to Winnipeg in the mid-90s, started putting records out and playing shows in the late 90s, and uh, yeah, here we are 20 years later, and I believe my eighth my eighth solo album is uh, is about to come out. Very it's cool. called Prairie Nielsen. Which is a great name. Um, as soon as I saw that on, on the line, I thought it was fantastic. Um but I guess, like, what I want to start with is is you're most associated with a lot of people, uh, for myself included, um, as being part of the whole Peanuts and Corn uh, group there. And, I mean, that's where some of you, you know, most of your, I guess you would call them the classic albums you, you put out throughout your, your career as a rapper are on that label. And uh, you've obviously put a lot of shows, appeared on records by all the other artists on there. And now you're, you're back doing more again um, with Peanuts and Corn, which is great to see. But do you feel like there's been kind of a renaissance of that stuff Um in recent past couple of years with McEnroe kind of um, reminiscing on, on, on podcasts and, and all of you guys showing up on sort of, uh, I don't want to say nostalgic, but almost it is. It almost seems like that now 20 years or so after kind of the, the heyday of that, people are coming back around to it and, and appreciating it maybe in a different way than they did at the time. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, th- I think Rod McEnroe has done the direct work to kind of let people know where we're at and that new releases are coming out again. Of course, you know, he never stopped. Right. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I do think it's that I, I definitely think COVID has something to do with it. You know, I find myself going back to a lot of the old music that I listen to, uh, a lot of things that used to be guilty pleasures are no longer guilty, you know, like you hit 40 and it's like, I, I like what I like, you know what yeah. I mean? So, so, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm I'm riding my bike around, you know, 25K around the city listening to, like, uh, the Prodigy and, like, the Hackers soundtrack and shit like that. And so, you know, I, I think to some people we're that, right? Like, we're, we're a part of their adolescence or a part of their university days. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I just think maybe culturally there's more of an eye towards the past or what we might perceive perceive to be the good old days or a more innocent time. Um, And yeah, and it just so happens we got a bunch of music coming out. So, you know, it's, I think there's a, a, some sort of a symbiotic relationship there. 
Yeah. Well, it's cool to see, too, because I know people who weren't necessarily around at the time, whether they were too young or they were into different stuff, who have now sort of started, uh, you know, building up collections of all that stuff that you guys were doing um, in the early, mid-2000s. And it's very cool to see people appreciating it um, often for the first time. And, and especially because things have changed so much musically, uh, locally and otherwise, right? That it's uh, it's almost like this 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 sound from a former era that still has relevance um, to a lot of people who maybe didn't realize it was there at the first in the first place. Yeah, and, and, you know, I was even, you know, I, I do most of my kind of musing on, on Twitter. Yeah. And, you know, just even the other day on Twitter, I was I was talking about how it seems like, you know, there was a period where what what people typically refer to as the golden era in hip hop, there's there's an eye kind of looking back towards it. It feels like um, younger people are making sample based rap music, which, you know, like kind of fits a theory that I have about rap, which is, you know, people latch onto a sound, you know, someone becomes really big and becomes the creative driving force for a period of time. And just so collectively, you know, a sound gets, pursued kind of right okay um and just you know in recent years hearing stuff that kind of harkens back to sample based rap right now i'm hearing a lot of like kind of like upright bass acoustic upright bass samples which like bring yeah that jazz kind of vibe yeah 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 brings me back to like del you know del the funky homo sapiens second album or digable planets things like that so yeah it 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 feels like there's an appreciation for that era, you know, and people, people are, are cool going back to it. And it's great because especially the latter part of the nineties, you know, a lot of that sound kind of slipped through the cracks or was dismissed as novelty kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, and now people have access to all of it, right? Because of the way that uh, music consumption has changed, you can literally go into a, a pocket uh, of that kind of stuff and sit there for years and just listen, like absorb everything that ever came out in that, those little subgenres for sure. Yeah. There, there's not a lot of, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to commit to anything, you know, yeah. you can just, yeah. you can just check it out. Right. Yeah. I imagine that at this point too, you know, the fact that you guys are all still making music in some capacity or another, there's got to be less pressure now, um, to be putting out a record, uh, now than there may have been maybe at the height of the peanuts and corn thing, because, you know, I, I imagine it's more, you're doing it for you than you were doing it for any kind of, um, success as a, you know, because, well, first of all, COVID's, ruined any chance of anyone playing shows but i don't think any of you are playing shows to the same level you were back then and so there's got to be a freeing a little bit to be able to make a record and and just be able to do whatever you want on it yeah there's things have definitely changed you know it if you there's a one of the singles that just came out you know that i knew what for yeah is is kind of a summation of that feeling where it's like you know on our small scale there was a period of time in the 2000 aughts where it kind of felt like, well, maybe there's something here, you know, maybe this can become a really sustainable thing and a a way to make our livings forever moving forward. Um, So there was kind of a feeling of like going for the brass ring, so to speak. Um, And, you know, the music I was making was definitely me taking a couple steps towards the mainstream. Um, And yeah, it, it is low stakes now, you know what I mean? Like, I, uh, you know, up until very recently, I was resigned to the fact that, you know, there's a few, the way I was kind of expressing it was there's a few dozen really loyal people who will listen to every project. But, you know, that kind of reaching for the brass ring mentality fell by the wayside a long time ago. And, um, And musically, you know, there's none of that, you know, we grew up with a really, you know, hip hop a lot like punk or hardcore or metal even yeah. uh you know there was like some really stringent rules you know like there was a lot of you know what i would describe as kind of conservative kind of rigid ideology and um you know that stuff is kind of fallen by the wayside too right so yeah. so yeah so at this point it's like you know, steal an instrumental, jump on it, rap on it, release it for free, put it out there, you know, like, uh, and, you know, like working with Macro in particular, like the music that he makes, the, you know, the best thing about it is it is 
in every sense of the word timeless you know yeah. what i mean like yeah like i don't i don't feel like you hear a McEnroe produced song in 2021 and say hey this sounds like pnc back in 2001 you know what yeah I mean? yeah like he's kind of he just occupies this space um that's kind of outside of time you know and uh and so yeah just working with him kind of already is putting yourself in a spot where it's like okay we're not we're not really too concerned with fitting into any box uh being the avatar of anything any movement any of that stuff right like all of those kind of illusions have fallen by the wayside so well, and you've you've worked with McEnroe since the very beginning, right? I mean, you have like a very long history uh, of working with him. What do you think it is about the two of you that that meshes so well? And I know you just kind of described the timelessness of his sound and why why it works, you know, for listeners kind of across eras. But what is uh, what is about the combination of the two of you, and maybe the other Peanuts and Corn members as well, always on each other's albums and things like that? What, like what what makes that unit uh, of people mesh so well together? Because there's so many styles uh, among yeah. that group. I mean. Me, the last few records, I've been really, you know, I haven't been inviting a lot of guests on, you know, even within the crew. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not like, you know, that's a byproduct of like not being young and kicking it together all the time, you know, like, um, so yeah, it becomes, for me, it's become more of a solitary pursuit. And, you know, what what Rod does is he gives me, more options as far as like you know especially with the drums that that he gives you because you know he is doing some really advanced shit there's always a little bit extra to it it's not that kind of chunky stunted stuff from the late 90s early 2000 uh and and i really can get down with that you know even in my other projects you know i when i made an album with cut down for instance you know he was always remarking upon me taking beats that no one else was fucking with um and it's just because i'm looking for i'm looking for something a little different you know like i i'm i'm never looking to i'm I'm never hearing something and being like oh this sounds like this really popular thing and i think i can kind of do something that's like that you know for it that's not the way that the beats kind of speak to me i guess is what i would say okay is there something particular you're looking for? Like, how do you know when a beat is going to work for you? Do you have to sit with it for a while and sort of experiment with it? It's 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 pretty quick. Like, you know, there's a there's so many different ways to make stuff now. But one of the things that a lot of people in rap do is kind of like live in the studio. You know, yeah. like, uh, and that's never really been the way. We've always like had limited pockets of time to work in. Uh, so it's like, (laughs) it's like, um, you know, you had to show up ready to rap and know your stuff. Right. 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 Um, and so, uh, you would, you would sit with them before you went in, you know? So for me, the process is usually I'll ask a producer for a pack of beats and, but as soon as I play them, I, I know almost immediately if something is, is going to work for me or not. Right. Okay. So usually first or second pass through on the beats, just listening to snippets, I can feel emotion, you know, like there's got to be some intrigue there, you know, like, do I want to get in there for sure and, uh, and check it out, you know, see if it feels right. And then, and then, yeah. And then the other thing is, is drums, you know, like what, what where do these drums put me as far as like flowing goes, you know, can I catch a little bit of an idea based on the way these drums are hitting me. And, okay, okay. And then and then it's just go from there, you know? Cool.
rationing my smokes, dragging my feet. The coffee is cold, I've had it with the heat. Might step in front of the bus, just slather it in meat. I mean, brains on glass, blades of grass. Just dripping in viscera, tear my face in half. On a stool with a noose, about to step up off it. When the phone go bling, yo, direct deposit. I'm the King K, baby, popular on payday. On my collar, still got a hundred more. Cause I'm the king, king, baby. Popular one, baby. I got a hundred on a bag, a hundred on my friends, a hundred on my mind. Still got a hundred left. Yeah. The king, cake, baby, orders everything with great. Picking up the tab like acid in the eights. Tabletop Pac Man, ghost on my lady. Arm wrestling your dad in a roadhouse like Swayze. King holding court, soldiering down. Circle getting bigger cause I'm ordering rounds Yesterday I was broke but they sorted me out They supported me so I'm supporting them now That I'm the King K, baby Popular one, baby Put a hundred on a hydro A hundred on the phone A hundred on my girl and still got a hundred more Cause I'm the King K, baby Popular one, baby On a bag, a hundred on my friends, a hundred on my mom, and still got a hundred left. Down. I don't know, I think it is. Imagine a crowd full of just mad, random mascots. Imagine that king cake baby. Brought down the earth, mad at gravity. Next day, a more tragedy than majesty. Connors in the dishwasher, powder in the tapestry. Dog and sunglasses and flaming trash, actually. Feeling less than alive, and it barely is. Wonder how heavy's a six, and can I carry it? Last in line for the vendor at the Maryland. When the GST hit like fucking heroin. So on this new record that's coming out, uh, when is it coming out, first of all? That's probably a good question to ask there. Uh, October 15th. It's a Friday, I believe. And yeah, the album's called Prairie Nielsen. Cool. Uh, on, on this on this album, what? how have you changed, I guess, as a rapper? Is there a noticeable difference kind of over the progression of your records up to this point? Or do you still sound like the same you that everyone has uh, familiarized themselves with over the past couple decades? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's... You know, I, I'd like to think I keep, you know, honing the craft, getting better and better. That's the goal. You know, of that's course, a big, yeah. that's a big part of it for me. You know, like, you know, people kind of talk about art as it, it's this thing that just spills out of you. And it, and it does, you know, the emotion is is there and it's and it's pushing all the time. But, you know, it's also like, hey, I've nurtured this thing for a really long time and worked really hard at it. And, and you know, hopefully I get better and better at this thing. And, and so, you know, on this record, you know, the hope is that it's still me. It's still very obviously me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, with just a little bit, things are a little bit tighter. I think, um, there's some updated stuff in there. Like I, I always, I try to keep as up to date on the new shit as possible because you don't want to be replicating stuff without knowing it. Right. Like, that was something that used to happen in rap all the time was, you know, some of the legends, especially some of the the, kind of like the older New York dudes would just like, you know, present you with a song, like maybe a high concept song. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's like everyone who's paying attention, hears that recognizes it and says, wow, that's a, 
that's a lot like this other song, you know, sure. that came out a year ago or six months ago or whatever. So, you know, I pay attention to the new rappers for inspiration and, and, you know, and so you're because you don't want to duplicate things. Uh, and yeah, there's, there's definitely like some songs with flows on them where it's like, Oh, you know, like I was listening to a lot of, you know, Maxo cream when I wrote this song or, or something like that. So, I mean, there's that, but I always take stuff and kind of make it my own, you know, okay. like, like I remember way, way back when I was making records with Pip, you know, I would come to him and I'd be like, I listened to a lot of Tim dog lately. So here's like my Tim dog. And of course it wouldn't sound anything like Tim dog. Cause it's right. always a little or mostly me. So, you know, the, the things that I'm taking are, you know, cadences and flows and things of that nature, but just because they're filtered through a 42 year old white guy from Winnipeg, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be yeah. different, you know? Well, and that, that 42 white guy from Winnipeg vibe too, is I think something that, 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 that appeals to a lot of people about your music and about the whole penis and corn crew in general is that it sounds very much like no one's high. No one's um, attempting to sound like what they're not. I mean, whether the Tim dog, uh, a cadence or something's coming through there, you're not actively trying to sound like Tim dog or you're not trying to sound like anyone else. And I think that that's no, what, exactly. that's why it lasts. I think, right. I, the beats, obviously McEnroe's beats are like you said, timeless, but I think there's that kind of genuineness uh, to all of it that, that, that comes through and, and still does. Yeah. That's, that's, that's baked into it, you know, like when I first kind of was brought into the fold by the older PNC guys, McEnroe, Honeycutt, Pip Skid, yeah. you know, the the very first note I got and it was the most important one was, you're not from New York, stop pretending to be more experienced than you are, you know, yeah. like, uh, because I was talking all the shit before I, I did any of the stuff, you know, and and that might work on some like, you know, live, love, live, laugh, eat, pray <laughs> shit, you know, like kind of manifesting yeah. shit. But but in that era in rap, you had to be about the shit that you were talking about on the record. So, yeah, otherwise people see through it pretty quick and, and pass it off as, you know, this is not legit. Yeah. Well, and especially in that era, you know, like, um, you know, like, especially as a white person, you were kind of you were number one a visitor you know what i yeah. mean you're you're yeah. you're a guest in that space in the space of hip-hop music period you know then and now um so yeah you want to be respectful and you know it was a it was street music you know and and sometimes you were putting yourself in a dangerous spot you know but if you wanted to be about this thing you had to be about it you know yeah. for lack of a better term yeah has that attitude changed at all over the over the years now that i mean hip-hop definitely still is it's not white people culture you know but but it's 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 been so globalized and it's just so many offshoots and and, and subgenres that are and ways of incorporating hip-hop into into pop music that was always there but in so many other styles like is it a bit it does that kind of genuineness is it less important now do you think for hip-hop i think the difference is the lack of community right like that or the maybe not the lack of community because they're finding community in different places right they're right. finding com community online with like-minded individuals elsewhere as opposed to hey i need to go and stick my feet in the fire here where i'm right. from and and see you know you you know nowadays it kind of gets described as gatekeeping and there's a negative connotation to it but you know when there was a hierarchy to things uh it made you know there was there was kind of uh tests put put in place to ensure that you know people weren't necessarily manipulating this thing to their own ends you yeah know? yeah um and and you know i have a new song with rob crooks about this called when the white boy uh and it's all about you know it, it's about appropriation and and in our era there's no doubt you know that that white kids from manitoba making rap music is appropriation sure sure um and you know the difference is is we had we were a part of a community with all sorts of different ethnicities yeah uh and people from all around the world and that was just like that was the way that it worked um and so yeah so what you know there isn't there's a lot of shit now 
with people appropriating, you know, especially slang and things. Of yeah, that yeah, nature. yeah. Um, and they get it because they see other people use it on Twitter or, or you know, there's a there's kind of digital blackface is another thing where, you know, a, a, a person's whole online existence is like gifts of, you know, Nini leaks and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and RuPaul's show, you know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, like, I think there's a little bit more of a danger of rap being accepted as universal and everybody's, you know, yeah. uh, and a separation of where it came from and, and definitely like a big part of, uh, you know, I want to say membership, but that's not the word for it, but more, more people making the music and, you know, claiming to be part of it um, who don't necessarily know the history behind it yeah. and, and, and know where it comes from and what it, what it was about and what it should be about, I guess is another way to say it. feel like there's pressure on someone like you who's, who's been involved you know since that era to sort of make sure people know that and make sure younger people that you encounter who are 
you know, either interested in hip hop or, or trying to do it themselves kind of make that connection because it's so easy to not now because everything is so disposable the way the internet has kind of changed music consumption and that history. I mean, some people, yeah, they're definitely doing their research, but a lot of people, it's just kind of uh, everything's on, on uh, shuffle and it's, it's all just kind of lost in a big mess of, of content, right? Well, yeah. And, you know, as a, as a white rapper, you don't want to see it go the way of rock and roll where it's yeah. like rock and roll was black music, it, you know, and remains black music. But if you were to look at it in the era that I grew up in, you know, in the eighties, yeah. it was, it was presented on a mainstream level as a very white thing. Um, totally. And it was so divorced from that, that, you know, kids in current generations don't know that. And, you know, and you can kind of, you know, I think it's harder to separate with rap because, they didn't separate black artists from the music like they did with rock and roll. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, the industry, the powers that be. So, you know, it's intractable in that way, but I do think there's a lot of kids who believe they should have full access to this thing. Um, and all the perks of it, all the style, you know, yeah. like all the, the hip, you know, the, all the, the shit you get points for and none of the dedication or the risk or, or all that shit that, was inherent in it before. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's it's interesting. It's interesting how how, how the culture has changed too. Like not hip hop culture, but just our culture in general towards uh, kind of like on one hand more acknowledgement of that stuff, which is great, and acknowledgement acknowledgement of uh, cultural appropriation and where things come from. And but then on the other hand, there's like less of it. It, it seems like depending on, on who you're talking to, there's either a very concerted effort to make sure that's known, or just everything is everything, and I don't care. Yeah, you know, there's there's trade-offs there, right? Like, there's obviously way more black millionaires and, you know, like, there's a lot more people providing for their family for real as opposed yeah. to, you know, when you look at the 90s, a lot of those dudes were left, you know, penniless and, and re-entering the workplace, you know, on, in a different capacity. So, you know, there's more success in that way, right? The money is, is there and that's great, sure. you know, but... Um, you know, by the same token, the stuff that breaks through to the mainstream and gets attention feels increasingly, you know, based in places that are more about aesthetic, let's say, than content. You 100%. Know? Um, and, you know, that's no knock to the artist. There shouldn't be a, you know, a, certainly a white guy. I'm not going to tell, you know, future that he needs to more, be more conscious in his shit or yeah, know, of course, yeah. Uzi Vert or someone like that. Like, you know, that's not my place. Um, but it does seem that there's less space in the mainstream for some of the stuff that did break through back in the day, public enemy. Yeah. Tribe called quest, you know, the, the Afrocentric, all that Afrocentric shit from the early nineties. For sure. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's pros and cons, right? It's, it's, you got a little bit more of this, but, but now there's this, you yeah. know, like, and you know, I, it's kind of, you know, I talk about Snoop Dogg kind of becoming almost like Betty White. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, he's doing stuff with Martha Stewart and he's got the always on TV saying funny stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and 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 that's something that couldn't happen before, you know, no. like um it shows you how deeply a part of mainstream culture rap has become, you know, it essentially just like sampling consumed everything that came before it and now yeah. it is a part of the whole thing um but yeah you know i long for you know and i and i go looking for it i go for for rap that speaks to different experiences you know like uh different perspectives and and basically like intriguing personalities is yeah. what i'm looking for, looking for nowadays you know like is there a different perspective here is someone doing something really out there technically um yeah, or yeah, or is somebody, you know, bringing attention to issues that need to be brought attention to? Those are all things that I'm looking for nowadays, yeah. you know? Well, I, I don't want to talk too much on this either, but the, part of the reason I've been thinking about this is because in the 90s, I was in a ska band, right? And uh, ska is an inherently political jamaican form of music and and people, it's having a, a bit of a revival now, which is weird and unexpected, but kind of cool. And people are thinking the way it's being revived is through that lens of like dorky white guys wearing, you know, ties and Hawaiian shirts and, and like spinny shit on their head or whatever. And it's, it's almost like, it's unfortunate that this is how it's being 
brought back into the culture instead of going back to the actual, you know, Jamaican roots of it, which is, first of all, better music, and secondly, like, you know, ha- has all of the uh, the struggle behind it and everything that really made it powerful in the first place. So, yeah, I can see hip-hop having similar struggles um, in the 21st century, too. Yeah, a lot, you know, it's it's defanged, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's, and And that's unfortunate, you know, especially if you come, you know, the background of very specifically myself and my crew is a real DIY kind of punk yeah, thing, yeah. you know, and that's always been to me an honorific, you know what I mean? Like, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a little frustrating to, you know, because I want defiance, you know what I mean? And, and I make music with that built into it yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm, and I'm looking for it, you know, um, which is why, you know, that's how you end up kind of like, oh, you know, I used to be really into conscious rap and then eventually arriving at a place where it's like, I'm just listening to the hardest, most underground gangster shit yep. that I can find because I'm looking for the experience of like hard charging aggression. Yep. Um, and and this is where I'm finding it, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, as a listener, I went through that with dancehall too, because I've been listening to dancehall my whole life. And, and it was started getting just, I got sick of all the, the pop leanings it was taking. Now I'm finding all these weird guys from like Grenada and stuff who are talking about slicing people with machetes. And it's like the hardest shit I've ever heard in my life. And it's, it's awesome. And it's like, it's so far from the mainstream, but I, I did something appeals to about it because it's so much, it's like, it's fresh again because they're saying something just so extreme that, you know, was kind of what drew a lot of people to it in the 90s. Same deal with hip-hop, right? I mean, you're saying something that, that is totally so far to your, your experience as a white 40-year-old in Winnipeg, and it's like, wow, this is crazy. And then things got kind of smoothed over and pop and genericized, and yeah. But, um... It's, yeah. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to switch topics, but if you have something to say on that, please do. Well, I was just going to say, you know, you and I both, you know, we like to talk about Peter Tosh, and, and yeah. you know, like... And Peter Tosh used to often talk about, like, how many love songs can we write? You know what I mean? Like, like how many love songs do we need? And, and you know, in hip hop, uh, I would never be one of those people who's like, you know, like it's it's such a celebration of excess and, and yeah. blah, 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 blah. You know, like a lot of it is, you know, and, and a lot of the stuff that succeeds in the mainstream is. Um, but, you know, once in a while, it would be good if like all the anthems weren't written by the winners, you know, totally, like, totally. You know, like I want to hear anthems from the losers you know like you always hear from like the hustler who's kind of on top you know it's like i want to hear from like the hand-to-hand people on the street and i want to hear from people like struggling with with addiction and you know like like that's that's the kind of voices i i'm i'd like to search out you know for sure From the north again it rap like it's the lottery Ticket for the journey, man The craft and the quality While I was at Burning Man I languished in poverty My fam is the renters Never ever the owners No cabin for the winter No second home in Kelowna My efforts and my patience Would put your pussies in comas Paper cuts till you perish My only use for your diploma And I never could compete With them on school kids No, I never could compete With them on school kids Too concerned with what to do How I do it then I did it And I never could compete with them art school kids I never could compete with them art school kids No, I never could compete with them art school kids Too concerned with what to do How to do it, then I did it And I never could compete with them art school kids What's a five-year plan? I'm flying by the sea After you quit your band, your mama buying your fatigue My life is light of hand, I'm a motherfucking magician Something out of nothing, your special skill is nepotism Only thing in my future is death Janky maneuvers, I get Drinks and shooters, my center's a gang of losers I bet you claim perseverance behind your success And not generations of wealth You think that being broke's a test For me, broke's the mean, the median, and mode Just living's optimism, cheating death is the code Not insisting I'm a victim, but I never knew hope And ain't stopping till your doctor father's head in the rope Because I never could compete with them art school kids Nah, I never could compete with them art school kids Too concerned with what I do, how to do it, then I did it then I I never could compete with them art school kids. I never could compete with them art school kids. No, I never could compete with them art school kids. Too concerned with what I do, how to do it, then I 
did it And I never could compete with them old school kids Deep concentration, working towards infamy Turn your installation into a murder mystery Embracing my misery, debasing civility Making my mark with scissors and taping it for the kids to see I never could compete, so I'm cheating Sledgehammer to your feet, that's the opening weekend Splattering drop sheets from the moment ceiling The devil is in the deep Got no hope of leaving Because I never could compete with them art school kids Nah, I never could compete with them art school kids Too concerned with what I do, how to do it, then I did it And I never could compete with them art school kids I never could compete with them art school kids Nah, I never could compete with them art school kids Too concerned with what I do, how to do it, then I did it And I never could compete with them art school kids one of the things that I, well, you said a few minutes ago too about the, the kind of punk rock nature of what you do and what the whole PNC crew has done as well, I think I probably said, I may have said this to you before. I know I've said it every time I have anyone from that group of people on the show, but that's what drew me to your stuff in the first place was the DIY angle because I was coming from punk rock and reggae and hardcore and stuff, and and that that appealed. And I think that you're still doing that, which is cool to see that you know, regardless of how things have changed for the popularity or whatever of what you're doing, that DIY element is still there. Um, all these years later, which is really cool to see because I think a lot of people, um, they find a way to, to either give up if the DIY thing's not working or just move past it and, and whatever, but you guys are still in it, which is, which is very cool. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's something that the song art school kids, which is another one of the singles like is directly about, you know, it's about me looking around at, you know, who, who got, got to because it's a privilege you know it's a privilege to to put your adult life's work into music you yeah, know like yeah. not a lot a lot of people don't get to do that and especially poor people don't get to do that you know and so art school kids is me looking around and taking stock of who survived in music and it's not people like myself you know like not usually no um and so yeah it's um for me it was always music and, you know, I dropped out of high school, you know, I've, I've had to support myself in not necessarily legal ways. Things have been sketchy. There's been a lot of extended stays on couches, you know, all throughout this. And, um, and yeah, you know, for other people, music is like, Hey, I, I was in a band when I was in university, you know, and, and, and you know and you know i i there's also a part of me that that looks at the way things are structured in music in canada and it's like i think there's a lot of infrastructure there for bands to survive and rappers don't get access to that stuff a lot of the time you know like and and, you know granted a lot of stuff is about fitting you know and sure and, and you know but you know there's as a band you got a lot more access to festivals and summer touring and things of that nature than rappers you know yeah. um you know if you get a band together and like a turntablist you know like you might be able to do some summer festival runs and stuff but yeah it's there's not a lot of infrastructure there you know for the rappers and definitely for you know as you get older you know it's almost like you're you're expected to age out of it yeah yeah but um but yeah, it's, uh, you know, I got into this and I put all my chips in there. Other people look at music like this is a thing that I'm going to pick up and play around with for a few years and then put down, you know, and then I'm going to yeah. go do the real adult thing, you know. So, yeah, it's it's something that I that I think about and I examine. With all that in mind, what is it like then to release an album now for you? I mean, you know, COVID and the way that's impacted uh, any kind of live performances and stuff aside, like what does it look like for you now releasing an album next month or, you know, by the time people hear this, maybe it is the month um, and having to sort of get it out there to the world now. Is, is it, is it, do you, is that a big part of it or are you just happy to have the music released and, and kind of out there in the universe? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I spent, I lost a few years, you know, not dedicated to music. I kind of was swimming around in addiction and had some mental health challenges um, last couple of years, I've kind of really changed that part of my life. Um, super. So, you know, I'm, I approach this humbly is, is yeah. what I'm saying, you know? Um, so, you know, playing live was something that for a long time was like very, 
very much a part of my life. And, you know, for the years even prior to COVID, there wasn't a lot going on, you know, maybe a couple times a year. Yeah. Um, a lot of like my performing, you know, shifted over to, you know, where you could find me hanging out at, you know, so it's like, I'm kicking it with people, guitars and rapping by campfires and, and, and yeah. things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, that part, that, that part of me isn't, or hasn't been as active. Absolutely in a perfect world, if this shit didn't happen, I would be, you know, playing as many times as I could and looking yeah. for those opportunities. Um, but, you know, like, like playing lives, it, it becomes harder now that I've kind of lost a lot of the hubris from when I was younger, you know, like back in the day, you never know what you were going to get. You could walk in and there'd be 200 people there, like knowing all the lyrics to everything and, and, and dying to see you. Uh, and then, you know, the next spot on tour or the next local show, there might be six people <laughs> and, and your pay might be two OVs and a shot of Jägermeister, you know? Right. So, um, so yeah, so, you know, that, part of my life has shifted and changed so much that that it's like I'm okay with this aspect of it I'm looking to figure out some sort of a party you know October 15th is a little iffy you know yeah. like it's you know I, I I did some research I checked out the weather on every October 15th <laughs> for the last 10 years because you know because you don't want to plan for to try to do anything indoors and then have yeah the restrictions come back and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it's like at a bar, especially there's things on the line, right? You got to deposit, yep. you know, they're booking people to come in and work. So, you know, there's a part of me that wants to do something outdoors. You know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm sussing it out right now. Cool. But um, yeah, I mean, what do you do? Like do you, you do an Instagram show, which, you know, I've never, you know, I don't, I don't know what kind of setup optimizes that as a, as a venue. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a puzzle, man. Uh, doing a lot of podcasts or, you know, at least a handful. Um, we've got a company kind of pushing our stuff, you know, like, so we've got some publicity behind it. Cool. Um, but yeah, man, like I, in a perfect world, I would be playing jams right now. You know? Cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, yeah. It's, unfortunately, this is like as far from a perfect world as you can get, right? But, yeah, uh, exactly. So, I mean, the good thing about this being a podcast is, you know, whether someone hears it uh, right when it comes out or a year after or two years later or whatever, by the time they hear it, there's a very good chance that your record will be out and you may even be moving on to more stuff or playing live or whatever. So what's the best way to kind of keep up with what what's going on um, in your world and as far as releases and shows and things like that? Yeah, b best way to follow me is on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm I'm very I'm much more active on Twitter than I am on Instagram. Okay. But in both cases, it's uh, Bazooka Baz sorry Bazooka Joe two o four on both Instagram and on Twitter. Okay. Uh, that's that's the best way. You know, if you're looking to listen or support us, then I would point you to the Peanuts and Corn Bandcamp. Uh, and you know, it's not just my stuff. It's it's yeah. all of the posse stuff. There's dozens and dozens of releases to check out. Um, I will remind people that I put out a record with Rob Crooks called Shot and Freud. It's a good record. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, yeah, that's going to be getting a re a physical re-release uh, in a very limited way. Cool. Um, with kind of some, some handcrafted, packaging and you know the, the kind of stuff that makes you want to go out and buy a cassette tape in in 2021 yeah yeah for sure yeah but yeah i've got another project with him in the works uh and i'm super excited about you know the music we've made together and the music that's coming out and then there's more pnc stuff coming i'm i'm working on a follow-up to pinky's laundromat oh well wow. uh from uh from back 2003 which is like a deep high concept storytelling album yeah so that'll be the next solo kind of release. Uh, and I'm working on a new park-like setting album as well, oh, wow. myself, Mac and Row and Yai. So, yeah, I, you know, the first question he asked about, you know, is there a bit of a resurgence happening? Yeah, you know, like, um, if there's one positive that's come out of the pandemic and it's horrible to say it that way now that I say it out loud. But Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. Yeah, it, it is horrible to but, say it, but it's it makes sense, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, I think I think everybody's looking inward and has a lot of thoughts. And you know, not necessarily. You know, we're not writing twenty concept songs about COVID either. You know, of course, I mean? yeah. Like yeah. it's uh, it it's a productive time for music because you know it has to be. I guess would be the the best way to say that. Cool. Sweet except the bitters in my mug on freeze. You lean to the left, you lean to the right, but I ain't picking sides. My party go all night. Your party anti drug then how your party pro life. My posse can't be bothered. We already know your type. You lean to the left, you lean to the right, but I ain't picking sides. My party go all night. Your party anti drug then how your party pro life. My posse can't be bothered. We already know your type. 